if I could just ask you locally in the room, would you help me? And let's just welcome those that are the Destiny family with us online today. We welcome them. We are family. And we're learning more what that family dynamic is supposed to look like. And uh, this is the first Sunday of May. Keep in mind, the last Sunday of May, we will be all together in one family service at 10.30 a.m. If you'd like to join us for 10 o'clock prayer, uh, we have a great group of folks that show up just to pray and press in for a few moments uh, at that uh, half hour prior to. And um, so plan to uh, join us if you're able to do that when we're in that one service, one family format at 10 o'clock prayer, 10.30 service. Wow. I know the Lord wants to have a deep conversation with us. He's initiated that today. God's been dealing with me on some of these areas that um, I want to talk to you about. But the most important thing is not that I'm having a conversation with you, but that I'm stimulating a conversation that you're having with God. There's a difference. This is what we know. There's a, a core uh, revelation that we are, over the course of many years, we've been pointed to. The Lord has pointed this out to us where we would understand there are five basic things that were um, in, in our pursuit of being surrendered to Christ. These are the five things that kind of emerge out of us as a family. You spend much time here together with this family, then you're going to become more like this. We are outrageously loving people who passionately pursue the Lord with irrationally giving lifestyles Have you ever wondered as if we water consistently is really submit to God's desires in and effectively three, disciple others his ministry by being to do the same. So if you'll just look then at that for a Matthew moment. We, read where he we really want the Lord to help us to become outrageously Obviously, loving, not just nice, kind, loving people, outrageously loving. Like the kind of love the Bible says people will know Jesus is there because of that kind of love. We want to passionately pursue the Lord. We don't want to have a casual response to God's extravagant grace. We want to have a passionate response to God's extravagant grace. That's why we take our worship from here to here. When you're not feeling it, that's when it means the most to the heart of the Lord. We're passionately pursuing the Lord. With, we're irrationally giving. We encounter and experience and express the generous nature of God as our way of life with our giving in every direction. And that in so many times is born out of our tithes and our offerings as an expression of worship as we come before the Lord. We consistently submit to God's desires. Notice this doesn't say to God's commands, to God's directives, because what we do should come out of our loving relationship with Him. Having experienced the nature of God, we consistently submit to God's desires. And then we make a difference in the lives of others by effectively discipling others to do the same. Sometimes we need to come back and just look at those um, really foundational things. Every year in the beginning of the year, we bring a focus of this. But the reality is we're asking the Lord um, just to help us become more of who he has called us to become. And in the course of every year, we then come back to um, what is the New Year's revelation for the year. It's great to have a New Year's resolution, but the Lord has something he'd like to work on. And so that's our New Year's revelation every year. And this year, our New Year's revelation is very simple. Everyone, would you all just say everyone? Everyone is created for abundant life. 
And what that abundant life looks like is this life that's born from death. Do you understand? In the kingdom of God, there's a cross at the center. And he who loses his life, he's the one who will find his life, Jesus said. So there's life that actually comes from death. In a, in a friendship, when two people are willing to die to their own pursuits and ambitions, they actually serve each other well. Isn't that a beautiful picture? There's nothing more painful than two selfish people in a relationship. There's nothing more beautiful than two servants in love. Everyone is created for abundant life. And so the Bible says that uh, in John chapter 10, that Jesus came that we might have and enjoy uh, that abundant life and what that really looks like. The first part of the verse is the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. How many know that the, the main focus the enemy has to kill you is actually not to take your life? He's not actually trying to kill you in terms of take your life. He's trying to keep you from fullness of life so that you'll just be in a place of despondency. You won't really experience the character or nature of God. It won't become the expression of your life. And perhaps you'll get integrated into religious groups of people and help bring everybody else to that place where they're really not uh, allowing their faith or their interaction or the relationship with the Lord to really impact their behavior. How many know God doesn't want that for any of us? He wants all of us to experience him in such a way that his nature, his loving nature is activating and awakening something within us. So this is a lot of what we've been focusing on in this season of algorithms. And, and the idea of algorithms starts to become something we comprehend and understand. It's this little uh, ideas running in the background that are contributing so much to the way we're thinking scientifically in the realm of uh, computers and online. We're, we're exploring and seeing so many times if you, if you talk uh, about something you're interested in, suddenly ads show up on your phone or computer. It's the craziest thing, but these algorithms are running, trying to help you become more of the person companies and businesses want you to become so that they can get get your attention uh, toward their products and whatever it is they're trying to sell. We have to understand there's something deeper spiritually going on in this reality that we see physically, and that's what we're trying to dive into, and I'm going to address this on a very deep level today, but you need to understand every person in this room is becoming a more exaggerated person of who you are right now. Happy people get happier. Sad people get sadder. Crazy people get crazier. We're all on a journey of becoming more, a more exaggerated expression of who we are and what we're focusing on and what we're dwelling on. And this is an unstoppable process that God actually placed within you. It's a God-given mechanism. John chapter 1, verse 12 says, But as many as received him. If you've received Christ, would you say amen? <laughs> but as many as have received him, to them he gave what? power to become the sons of God. It exists within you, this power to become the sons and daughters of God. That which you're processing becomes that which you're producing. That which you're experiencing becomes that which you're expressing. You can't stop it. It's the law of sowing and reaping. So you have to make sure you're processing what you're supposed to be processing so you start producing what you're supposed to be producing. Anybody ever produced the wrong thing before? Anybody? Whenever you're producing the wrong thing, it's because you've been processing the wrong thing. It is a, an absolute relationship that we see in Scripture. But as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons and daughters of God, even to them that believe on his name. 
So here's the thing that we need to understand. God's master design involves this elaborately perpetual and ultimately unstoppable process of becoming the next version you. It exists within every person. Nobody ever woke up one day and suddenly decided that they were going to be a serial killer or anything else. This is an elaborate progression and process of thinking about things, meditating on things, reflecting on things, and it all produces something in our lives. I'm standing here right now sensing a deep sense of conviction in my own life that am I processing what God is desiring for me to process through the course of the week. I want to become everything he's designed me to be. How about you? So throwing junk in there that your system has to deal with uh, when you're trying to become something more is, is just an unhealthy practice. You can work out, go to the gym, eat well, but if you throw a bunch of Twinkies in there in the middle of the week, I mean, you know it's going to create some problems for you. We are all in the process of becoming and what we process determines who we become. So that's why today I want to talk to you about a really important topic of conquering negativity. <laughs> conquering negativity. On a scale of 1 to 10, how negative do you tend to be? On a scale of 1 to 10, how negative do you tend to be? Because boy, negativity is an enemy to faith. You know, faith and hope come together, and the more negative you are, the less hope you have. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. And so we need to understand this as we're listening to what the Holy Spirit is desiring to say. I just want to serve notice on negativity today. Will anybody receive that in your own life? Like deep in the soil of your life. There's a narrative that exists on a deeper level of your life. God wants to go into that stream. He doesn't just want us to deal with, we're going to try to be nicer this week. He wants to deal with some of the contributing variables deep within your life that actually are producing this negative stream that can sometimes flow out of who we are and not even realize that's what's going on. So let's, let's just receive his word into our hearts. If you'll turn to Romans chapter 8. This is um, one of my, if not the, all-time favorite chapter of scripture when I first became a Christian this was the first chapter I ever began to memorize and learn and rehearse and meditate on and so I've gone back to it so many times over and over and this is such an important portion of scripture uh, Romans chapter 8 verses 5 to 7 those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. How many of you want to live by the, by the Spirit? We have to do what? Set our minds on the things of the Spirit. Verse 6, the mind of flesh is death, but the mind of the Spirit is life and peace. Two minds. You ever read in the Bible about being double-minded? Here are the two minds. Here's the duplicity that exists within every single one of us. We want to do good, but there's something in us fighting against it. We try not to do bad, but there's something in us trying to pull us in that direction. Can anybody relate, or am I just up here talking to myself today? I think it's more than just me. I mean, there's this struggle that exists within us in the process of walking this out. Two minds exist. The mind of the flesh is death, but the mind of the spirit is life and peace. Such a key thing, verse 7, because the mind of the flesh 
is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Are you feeding your mind the things of the Spirit? You know, Tracy's up here saying, man, I hope you're in, you know, you're practicing turn the page. What's she saying? I hope that you are every day purposing to get into the Word and experience living food. You and I are likened to eagles in the Bible. And here's the thing about eagles. They don't eat dead food. They only eat living food. Now, turkeys, they eat dead food. But we're not turkeys. We're eagles. So we need to eat living food and soar higher than turkeys can soar and see things that turkeys will never see. You are born to soar high and to experience what God desires for you to experience and process things that the world around you cannot comprehend. Come on, your perspective should be born of the things of the Spirit. Let's take about 60 seconds. Would you just help me? Let's just declare it in this atmosphere. In the name of Jesus, Lord, awaken this within us. Awaken this within us today. We are hungry for more of what you desire in the name of Jesus. We serve notice on the enemy today. We break a spirit of negativity. We address the source of negativity that would try and keep us back. We break the hold of negativity today. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. In the mighty name of Jesus. Clapping your hands like that. Is that really necessary? Stop being so negative. <laughs> I mean, it's funny how it creeps in, isn't it? It's justifiable. The problem is, when somebody does you wrong and you have the right to hold it against them, you were supposed to lay that right down at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ where he gave up his right to live because he had never sinned. He chose to die so that you and I would lay our rights down and stop living negative dispositions and perspectives in life. The mind of the flesh is hostile to God. I want to coin in on that just for a bit. Romans 8, 7. The mind of the flesh is hostile to God. There are hostilities that exist within you that are longing to be fed well so they can take their fortified stronghold position against the knowledge of God. These hostilities, all, all it takes is a little gossip, all it takes is a little animosity, all it takes is a little frustration, all it takes is getting a little sideways with somebody and feeding that hostility, and suddenly that hostility, what did it say? The, the flesh is hostile to God. That hostility is suddenly fighting against God's best in your life. We want to address these hostiles that exist within us, that exist within our flesh. We don't want to feed them, we want to starve them because we're feeding ourselves in the things of the Spirit. So the question today, the big question, and I, it's such an important question, are you conquering negativity or is negativity conquering you? There's not a neutral relationship that you possess with negativity. You are either conquering negativity or negativity is conquering you. Life is not about what happens to you. Life is about what happens in you when things happen to you. A lot of bad things happen to us. 
I mean, I, I'm, I'm, you know, just in the process of years, I've just learned there are some tough shots that are going to come my way. Difficult things are going to happen in our lives. But I've watched people that don't have really difficult lives seem to live as if they have horribly difficult lives. And then I've seen other people who really have horribly difficult lives seem to live as if, as if life is easy because they walk in a grace to lift their countenance to the Lord. And instead of rehearsing all the negative that's going on in their life, they walk in the greatest strength of the Lord their God. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You are mighty sons and daughters of God. Do not process death, process life. We, like eagles, are born to eat living food. Therefore, my circumstances will not dictate to me that which I will focus on, but rather I will lift my countenance to the Lord my God and draw my perspective from my heavenly Father. Regardless of what's going on around me, I will arise with great strength within me, no matter what the storm may be. The water never sinks the boat unless the water gets into the boat. Don't let the water get in the boat. You just keep floating higher. I refuse to allow those negative issues to penetrate my soul. I refuse it. We all have a flesh. And it, every time you have to take a shower, it should be reminded that if you're not working to clean up your flesh, it's going to stink really bad. I mean, no, we have a fleshly attitude. And we need to cleanse it just like we need to cleanse our fleshly body. We've got to renew our minds, constantly come back and address the stinky attitude that we're all fully capable of having. Let me just step away from, from preaching just for a moment and just say, kind of as a father to the house, I don't have an axe to grind with anybody. <laughs> I've not heard about anybody, you know, having a bad attitude or I'm not trying to address some specific issue because we don't do that here. Congregationally, if I've ever got a beef with you or if there's a concern with you in the congregation, we will come to you personally because that's what the Bible says to do. I won't stand up here and try and preach you into a better perspective individually because that would be a very wrong approach of the use of, of this particular platform that God wants us to rally around. I want you to know that if you're feeling a sense of deep conviction right now, it's because the Lord is having a conversation with you. Now back to preaching. We all have a flesh, and our flesh does not magically vanish when a person becomes a believer in Jesus. Have you figured that out? Like, I got saved as an adult, and things changed dramatically. And I mean, I was walking in this incredible grace as a newborn infant in the Lord as an adult. And it was like he carried me everywhere. And then he started putting me down. And I was like, wait, you know, I'm falling down. I don't know how to walk yet. You were carrying me. Everything was going really well. I mean, you know, the Lord wants you to learn to stand on your own two feet. He's going to give you great grace. And then sometimes you're going to have great tests. And those tests actually should produce strength because the struggle gives you strength. But you've got to stop failing the test. Stop rehearsing the negative. Stop falling down every time he lets you go. Rise up and recognize, I will live in a place of love and patience and kindness and forgiveness and rehearsing that which is right and that which is good. We all have this flesh. Jesus said the spirit is willing, 
But the flesh is weak. The flesh is our old carnal nature. And it has to be dealt with. It has to be dealt with. You need to deal with it with the understanding that it's like a hostile that's trying to break into uh, behind uh, your lines. You know, they're the enemy lines. You know, this, this hostile is trying to break in behind the front lines to, to contaminate your soul and, and sift you into a disposition that will keep you from becoming the process of becoming everything God's called you to be. You have to understand this flesh within every one of us. It's like a weak-willed person that exists with Within us, this fallen nature that tries to take hold of our lives, it has no character, it has no resolve, it has no backbone, it has no self control. But you are more than that because Jesus redeemed you out of death into a place of life. So this past week, maybe you felt like you've had no backbone, you've had no character, you've had no resolve, you've had no self-control. I just want to say the week ahead is going to be better than the week behind because we're going to rise up and begin to process in our hearts and minds and spirits that which God has called us to process. These are carnal algorithms, carnal algorithms that are awakening within us and they come from a very, very deep place. Very deep place. God is addressing deeper issues on deeper levels in all of our lives as he is preparing the the bride of Christ to step into a place of greater maturity than what we have ever known. Do you believe that? But these things, these hostilities that try to emerge within us and take us deviating off the course of that narrow path the Bible describes. How many know the narrow path? You've got to focus in to stay on course on the narrow path. I thank God for the grace of God, but don't you let anybody sell you a bill of goods about greasy grace where it says it doesn't matter what you focus on or what you do with your life. You need to keep your focus, fix your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ and live your life in a way that brings glory and honor to God. God and dignity into the lives of others. These carnal algorithms are things that God's wanting to address and deal with, and He has to deal with them on the most basic level. Are you in the Word? Do you read your Bible? Do you sit with the author and not just read the book? Do you experience God in your everyday life? There are people under the sound of my voice that don't read their Bibles. They just don't put it into practice. It's just not, you know, I just don't have time for that. You understand what you are saying when you say that? I'm not talking about conveniently reading a brief devotion here and there. I'm talking about learning to sacrificially be men and women of the Word of God. I will get up early in the morning. I will do whatever it takes to get in the presence of the Lord and get his word flowing in me. I'm not standing here right now talking to you out of some motivational speech. I believe I'm anointed by God because I've been broken in his hands in the course of this past week to release something supernatural that is awakening something within God's people. You and I ought to walk in that type of strength and confidence everywhere we go. This is not for preachers. This is for Christians. You walk into your workplace this week, and if you've been in the hands of God, you're walking in that workplace, and the devil is threatened. We don't don't conveniently read our Bibles. We don't conveniently 
gather together. We sacrificially give ourselves to forsake not the assembling. It's not about convenience. It's about sacrificially. When you're, when you're doing this sacrificially, it's addressing something deeper within you. We don't give conveniently. Are we all still together? Start talking about money. I know there begins to be a change in the atmosphere. It is God's will that you worship God with your giving by bringing your tithe and your offering into the storehouse where God has planted you. Let's be clear. I'm not going to shrink back on that point because you need to understand God's plan is for you to worship every time you increase. And if you don't do that, it's an issue of trust in your heart. And you need God to deal with that hostility that's warring against him by bringing your increase and laying that before the Lord in an attitude of worship saying, God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. I want to be a contributing part of what you have called us to do as the body of Christ in the earth. Giving here is not bucket passing. You know that. You can text uh, giving to the number. You can hit a, uh, a giving station. You can give online, however you want to do that. But here's what I want to say to you. I am not interested in trying to talk you out of your rent. I am interested in you making a deeper decision than that, where you come to a place and you say, that which is within me that's trying to resist what God is doing is not going to succeed. I am going to sacrificially lay myself down before the Lord my God and honor him according to his word. Carnal algorithms must be dealt with in deep places within our lives. Negativity is deeply personal. Negativity is deeply personal. I mean, you know, negativity doesn't always uh, masquerade as, or doesn't always pre- present itself as negativity. Sometimes negativity masquerades as common sense. It's a whole lot more digestible if we can call it something that it's not. It's like going to the gentleman's club. It's not a gentleman's club. It's a pervert hut. Let's understand what these things are. And it's going to mess you up if you start processing that kind of nonsense and that gets established in the soil of your spirit and then you justify it, calling it something that makes it sound a little better than it is. Get your head out of pornography. Get your mind out of greed. Get your focus out of unforgiveness. All the things the enemy wants to try and hold you captive with, let it go and live again by fixing your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith, the risen king at the center of the kingdom. There are things that are contributing to your behaviors. Controlling impulsive reactions is one thing, but addressing the deeper narrative that actually exists down within your soul, that's another issue. I don't want to talk about behavior modification. I want to talk about the deeper residence of what's taking place within you on a level that's so deep that you can't even really comprehend it, understand it, or explain it. You have to address it on a deeper level. I don't know if you understand. I'm going to reframe what I just said from a different perspective so that you can get this on a deeper level. Your imagination, no matter how big your imagination may be, your imagination is not big enough to give birth to the things of the Spirit. You can only give birth to 
the things of the Spirit. Out of your spirit. That's why it's so important that your spirit be well conditioned. Impulsive behavior has a root cause. Whatever the impulsive behavior is in your life, it has a root cause. I'm going to take us deeper on this next week as we look at this. But my question today is very simple. How is your soul? Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health. Will you say it with me? Just as your soul prospers. Most of us are both ignorant and negligent of the realm of the soul. And I believe the Lord wants to take us to a place of greater maturity. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, the Bible says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body. If you don't mind, I know it sometimes feels like, you know, are we in a kid's lesson, but would you say those three words in that particular order? It's really important that you understand it. Spirit, soul, and body. One more time. Spirit, soul, and body. That your whole spirit, soul, and body may kept blameless, may be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the world references the body, soul, and spirit. Have you noticed this? Take care of yourself, body, soul, and spirit. The Bible references spirit, soul, and body. Do you think that might be important? The world has reversed the order of what the Bible actually reveals. And when you get your spirit in order and you you take a, a posture of wellness with your soul, your body starts to come into alignment because it has no choice. It'll fuss, fight, kick, and scream, but it will do what it's told to do if you will function according to the spirit that is within you, renewing your mind and your wellness and your soul. Your body must come into alignment. I'll give you a great analogy of this, and it's kind of a scientific explanation, but the, uh, I've heard this, this discussion and, and research about what's called neuropeptides. And these neuropeptides are protein-like molecules, and they're like found in the brain. And, and science explains that neuropeptides are these chemical messengers that, that feed information to other brain cells and cells all throughout your body. One doctor described them as little intelligent beings that are mobilized with information that we allow ourselves to dwell on. Neuropeptides are mobilized with information that you are dwelling on. You have neuropeptides. Neuropeptides are carrying information that you're allowing yourself to dwell on. Are we all on the same page? What are you dwelling on? What are you listening to? What are you watching? What are you focusing on? What is your mind rehearsing? Because it's mobilizing these little algorithmic neuropeptides to produce a conclusion within all of your system that may have nothing to do with the kingdom of God. It makes sense that God would tell us to let our focus, attention, and confession to be God's word. I want 
to mobilize neuropeptides that are carrying the power of the information of the Holy Ghost to all of my body, top to bottom, left to right, head of my, I mean, soles of my feet, top of my head. I, I want every part of me to be impacted by the information of God. God is about information. He sent his son, the word, the logos, logic of God embodied in Christ that you and I might be able to process on this natural level that we become spiritually alive, that our souls come into alignment, and then our bodies follow suit. It's a profound reality. That's why the Bible says, Joshua 1.8, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. Meditation is muttering. Meditation is muttering. When you're, when you're just wanting to focus in on the Word, don't just read it. Speak it. I was on a, a flight overseas, and, and this, this uh, a rabbi was walking up and down right by my seat. And I was trying to sleep, and he was walking, and I, and I kept hearing him. And I realized he's just muttering the, the Torah over and over and over because the word meditate actually gives the same idea as a cow spitting up its cud, chewing it more, and then swallowing it to be spit up again and chew some more. That's meditation. Not just read and forget. Read and rehearse. Read and rehearse. Memorize and rehearse. Bring it up again. Bring it up again. Speak it out loud. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death for what the law was powerless to do and that it was weakened by the sinful nature God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Come on, the word of God is powerful. The word of God was never meant to be a tool to preach sermons from. The word of God was always meant to be life-giving resource in us. The only reason it can preach well is because it lives first. And then it's like, that resonates with me. And the more discerning you become, the more spiritually alive and, and, and well in your soul you are, the more you sense the conversation God is having in the room right now, that God is having online right now, in Jesus' mighty name. I'm tired. Yeah, it is. Thanks, coach. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And sometimes we, sometimes we just stay true to a text of a sermon because it's what we prepared. Sometimes the, the message and the conversation from God ends before we conclude our sermon because we're so committed to the sermon we prepared. I'm kind of getting less and less interested in sermons and more and more interested in the conversation God is desiring to have with us in any given moment in time. The Lord is convicting some hearts in this room right now. Convicting. Some of you, negativity has become an anchor in your soul and Robert has deceived you and is robbing from you. 
and I'm serving notice on Robert. Man, I hope one day Robert tunes into one of my messages. High school buddy, Robert. <laughs> Love you, you jerk. <laughs> so you see that? That was hostility right there. Pray for me. I'll pray for you. You pray for me. Negativity. I'm serving notice on negativity. Before any music starts playing, to say, I serve notice on this enemy in my life, I want you to boldly, and I want you to, without any hesitation or reservation, stand to your feet if that's you, and you're serving notice on negativity. Don't hesitate, don't wait, maybe others, it's about you. We're serving notice on negativity right now in Jesus' my name. If you are online by yourself in your house, stand to your feet if that is you. I just say, God wants to deep reach into a deep place of conviction within us. Not because he wants to condemn us, but because we're condemning ourselves. When you're negative about others, it's a reflection of what you're doing internally to yourself. Let it go. Father, you see every person standing. More importantly, you see every one of our hearts. We're inviting you to go as deep as you want to go. We are your sons and daughters. We are in the process of becoming. And even by our standing today, we're recognizing we're needing some help in this process of becoming. So we recognize that today, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's all just stand together in unity as the body of Christ. If you're able to be on your feet, we just say, Lord, we stand at attention to the Lord our God. Lord, all that really matters is that we honor you, that you arrest our heart, that you take control of our disposition, that you lead us into this process of becoming all that you've designed us to become and all that you desire us to become and all that your spirit is here helping us to become if we'll learn to pay attention, spirit, soul, and body. Neuropeptides, we're speaking to you right now. You'll be carriers of the information that God designed us to process. The negative talk internally is silenced now in the mighty name of Jesus. We silence that in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, we're asking that you would deal with this on a deeper level than impulsive behavior. That's the obvious expression of our lives. Take us, Lord, into that deeper place of the streams of our souls that produce so many of our conclusions that in many ways feed strongholds that hold us back. We honor you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Everyone is created for abundant life. The devil tries to kill you, but to kill you isn't to take your life. It's to keep you from the very best God has for you. 
to convince you that you should be rehearsing things you should not be rehearsing that will cost you the things that God desires for you to possess. So this week, your action point, because we bring God's presence to real life. That's what GP2RL means when you see that. We bring God's presence. We're experiencing God's presence. We want to bring that to real life. This week, I want to ask you, pay attention to what you're saying about what you're seeing all week long. Pay attention. I'm going to pick up here next week. It's just this revelation is deep. But this week, just start to practice opportunities that you have when you feel cheated, mistreated. Just take that moment and just give that to the Lord. Begin to die to yourself more readily. We should be the walking dead. I die daily. Therefore, I'm unoffendable. You want to know how dead you're not? How offended are you quickly? Not very dead if you're offended quickly. I'll quit before I offend somebody. We're going to worship just for a few moments. I know I've gone a little long today, but it's all right. We want to give just a little bit of room here. Our, wor- our, our prayer teams, they're going to make their way to the back, and we're available to connect with you in prayer to agree. Communion stations are right here at the back of the center. Feel free to re- receive communion alone or with friends. Every week that's available for us during worship. The giving stations, if you just need to serve notice on a lack of trust in God today and that hostility has taken control and you just need to say enough, then feel free. This would be a great moment in worship just to give. And to give generously just to say, devil, you're a liar. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. It's a beautiful thing just to walk with the Lord. We'll announce it in a moment as we conclude, but let's do just worship. And then we're going to have a meet the team opportunity. If you've not met with our, our uh, I want to meet you personally. Our pastoral team wants to meet you personally right after this service, just for a few moments. We'll just go out and to the right and we'll connect there personally. But come on, let's press in. Just bring all that God's doing in your heart right now before him. Awaken us, Lord, to the deeper purposes of God. Only you can rescue us from us. We can't do it. So we surrender to you in this posture of worship in Jesus' name.